Hey, everybody. Welcome to the On The Map podcast. Uh, I'm David Beats, and today we had a, a really interesting guest, uh, Anja Sanders with Feed Oak Cliff. Um, uh, Oak Cliff is a uh, kind of a um, suburb of Dallas, and uh, Anja is working to bring a grocery store. She's actually working on kind of a community kitchen grocery store project there, and that's something she's been working on for a long time. Um, so um, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, and also, we had a couple, we had a little bit of uh, connectivity issues um, whenever we were doing the interview with her. So if you, if you see some uh, different edits uh, here in the podcast, uh, that's, that's what that's from. So uh, let's jump right into our conversation with Andrew Sanders. Hi, Angie. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing great, David. How are you? Oh, doing good. Thanks for joining us today um, on our podcast um, on the map. And uh, I know that we have, have been keeping in touch the past couple of years, what, maybe the past three or four years, something like that, I guess. Something and, like that. Your yeah. map has been very helpful to me and my organization. Oh, great. Great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, looking forward to catching up today and and hearing, you know, a little bit more on kind of what you guys have been doing. Uh, maybe if you could start out and just kind of tell us a little bit about um, kind of the organization you work with and, and kind of what you're, what you're working on now. Okay, be, be happy to do that. My organization is called Feed Oak Cliff, and I, I'm the founder of it. I started it out of my own personal frustration. Um, I do my grocery, well, I did my grocery shopping at an Albertson's, at a certain part of town that was 12 or 12 and a half miles from my home. Mm -hmm. And the reason was there was nothing really available where I lived. This Albertsons was beautiful. It had a wonderful salad bar right inside the door. And one day having shopped there for years, one day I just froze when I walked in the door and I realized there's nothing like that in my community, not even close. And yeah. I thought that was, um, not fair and unjust. So mm -hmm. I called a community meeting and found out that my neighbors had the same frustration. So I started the organization to call Feed Oak Cliff with the goal of actually recruiting um, healthier mainstream grocery stores to the Oak Cliff area. Okay. Now, Oak Cliff is 54% of the land mass of Dallas. Huge area. Mm -hmm. One Tom Thumb, one Kroger. Um, and they don't even compare to the ones in North Dallas. Uh, right. A couple of Fiestas and a couple of Aldi's. Um, so that's what we have worked on for the past three to four years. However, we weren't successful because the grocery corporations would tell us things like, well, you don't have enough population density. And when we would point out, say, an apartment complex or a neighborhood that was pretty dense, their terminology was, you don't have enough rooftops. And then they would say, um, well, they're the wrong kind of rooftops, but there was never any definition behind that. So I'm wondering, what is that code for? Right. I will tell you this, Oak Cliff has a reputation that's undeserved. I've lived here since 1980 and there were grocery stores here. It was a beautiful, vibrant community. Um, mm -hmm. And then the, you know, some of the grocery stores left. Um, the reputation among people who have most likely never been to Oak Cliff is mm -hmm. that it is a low income, high crime area. However, our crime level is low. We had a mall, uh, it's being renovated now, and 
it had a reputation that was undeserved because it's actually on the list from Dallas Police Department. It is one of the lowest crime malls on the list. Right. Um, and North Park, the premier mall, is number one on the list. So it's a perception problem. And when I yeah. started Feed Oak Cliff, I told my group, the biggest problem we have is one of perception. Um, and we have to combat that. And toward that end, we started an annual event called the Dallas Veg Fest, which okay. is a free annual festival of nutrition and health. And we started that with two purposes. One was um, to provide education uh, and availability to, to people who would attend. But the other purpose was also to spread the word that Oak Cliff is not what you've heard that it is. Mm -hmm. Now, 54% of the land mass of, of the city of Dallas. So are there pockets of poverty? Yes. Are there pockets of higher crime? Absolutely. Just as there are in North Dallas, East Dallas, Plano, Frisco, any other place. Right. Because yeah. it's a huge area. Right. It's a huge area. But I live in a solidly middle class, low crime neighborhood within Oak Cliff. Mm -hmm. So it's a perception issue. And even so, my thing has always been, okay, let's, let's go with what you say. There's not enough income, but even poor people eat, right? Right. right. Um, criminals eat. <laughs> and some of them eat very well, right. in fact. And yeah. so um, a poor mother wants her child to be as healthy as any other mother wants her child to have access to nutritious foods. So people spend their money on what they have to spend it on, and then they spend it on what they choose to spend it on. One thing they have to spend it on is food. Right. So all of those arguments ring hollow to me. Um, mm. the, the crime, even if it were true, which it is not true, um, even if it were true, people are going to the grocery store every day Right. when they can't oh, yeah. that's make it accessible to them yeah can you tell us some about the difference between like a food desert and a food swamp i know we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier yeah um there are actually two iterations of the same areas mm -hmm. um two different descriptions of of an area and it depends on what you focus on a food desert according to the fda is uh an area or community where a mainstream grocery store or supermarket is what they call it is a mile or more from your home. Okay. Um, so that leaves a lot of people, the majority of people in Oak Cliff living in a food desert because mm -hmm. the, those mainstream supermarkets are not there. They're not present uh, within this vast community. Um, a food swamp on the other hand is the same area, but it has food. <clears throat> food deserts don't mean that there's no food available. It's the type of food that's available. So a food swamp means there are many convenience stores. There are a lot of fast food restaurants. You can get hot links. You can get Cheetos. You can get beer. You can get, you know, cupcakes, ding-dongs all day long. But an organic carrot is as, is as rare as a unicorn. You can't right. find it. Yeah. Um, on our Facebook page, our Feed Oak Cliff Facebook page, I posed a question a couple of months ago. 
when you go to your grocery store, how many varieties of apples do you see? And most of the people, everybody except one person said two. Mm -hmm. One person said three. And I said, what are they? And his answer was red, green, and yellow. Right. Then I then replied, Central Market, which is located on the other side of town, has 23 varieties of apples. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. It is, it mm -hmm. is crazy. Why don't, we, why don't we take a look at the map together and, and maybe you could, that way we can learn a little bit more about your neighborhood and kind of see, um, you know, maybe some different options in the neighborhood. Um, I think you had mentioned uh, that you live kind of near what Westmoreland and Keast. Um, right. So let's just do like a, a three mile radius from there. And um, maybe, you know, you know, for, for, for folks that, you know, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about kind of the options here. I mean, I think, I think you said it's, it's kind of hard. If you, if you're in this area, you're kind of, bound by a couple kind of natural barriers and, and some of these stores either are, are not so great or they're like kind of hard to get to from this area, right? They can be. Um, yeah. You know, there are, there's Fiesta, um, which serves a primarily Hispanic audience, although, you know, you can get good food there. Um, but what you're not pulling up would be all of the convenience stores and the fast food places, but you don't do fast food, you do grocery stores. Right. What you will see is um, over to, uh, toward the edge, you'll see a Save-A-Lot mm -hmm. grocery store. Yep. And then there's another Save-A-Lot um, further down to the right. And then there is right there, yes. And then there's a store called Cash Saver Plus, okay. um, which is, outside the circle, but near that of the save a lot. Yeah. Here's the problem with those stores. That's what I call a non-traditional grocery store mm -hmm. in that you never know what you're going to pay until you check out because they have a sticker um, or a sign on the item and it may say three ninety nine, dollars mm -hmm. but there's an upcharge and the charge goes up um, depending upon how much you've spent. Huh. So if you don't spend enough, then that three $3.99 item may be $5. So you have to hit certain level, like you got to spend 30 or $50 or something to get the actual right. low price. Right. right. So, you know, if you're on a fixed income or very small income, right. It's like playing a slot machine almost because, you, you know, that three ninety nine sticker, they may raise the price 10% or 20% when you check out. If mm -hmm. you've counted your money carefully, you may be in for a really bad surprise. Not only that, those stores typically have um, much less fresh produce. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the sometimes the meats are at expiration date and the produce is wilted or just on the verge of going bad. So you're not getting your highest quality. 
right. plus you're paying more for it than you would in a, in a regular grocery store. Yeah. It's really bizarre and hurtful to the people who can least afford it. Yeah. Um, it's just, there are too many moving pieces that come together to um, make life unstable and miserable to people who can't afford these things mm -hmm. or can't afford to go outside the community. Um, you may have to get on two buses or a bus and a train and travel for miles and hours, literally, if you don't have a car right. um, to get to, to decent food. And then if you're doing that, you're limited on how much you can can buy because you're limited to how much you can carry. You, can you know, carry, I can carry back. Yeah. Yeah. I can fill my truck up with food, the trunk of my car. But if I had to do that on public transportation, I could carry maybe two bags in each hand and that's it. Yeah. You you mentioned drive time. Let's look and see kind of what the, the drive time looks like. I'm just going to do a 10 mile or 10 minute drive time from there. Um, so I know you mentioned, uh, this HEB is this, I, I think you said that this area is becoming like a little more, um, um, kind of gentrified. It's, it's gentrified. Um, it is, um, there are a number of restaurants that have come in there. Um, mm -hmm. it used to be a community of small homes, um, mixed area, probably primarily Hispanic area, uh, in that part of town. Um, those homes were were bought up and torn down, and so there's there. I took a picture one day uh, that I think is a striking photograph. There's this one small yellow frame house, and literally, just at the edge of its backyard is this huge multi-story condo mm -hmm. that is actually one of four big buildings like that, uh, and that that one person is still holding out in that little house. Yeah. HEB um, has bought that property and they're holding it. And I think they're waiting for the income level to come up because those condos are new. They're probably a couple of years old and there are about four more that are under construction. Yeah. And the price, the, the monthly rental is about $2,500. Okay. So I think HEB is waiting until those buildings fill up. Yeah, this thing's been and, planned for, or it's been, nothing's happened here for some, quite some time. Right. Yeah. Right. Because they, they've waited and they are continuing to wait for those new apartments and condos to uh, become populated enough and raise the income level in that area enough for them to justify in their minds putting a central market there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it's, yeah. it's very interesting to when, watch it happen. Well, and when you think about Dallas, you know, you wouldn't think that there'd be like a, like a food desert or a food swamp or, or something like that. And I mean, this is, this is a, this is a, a big area with, with not a lot of access at all. Um, you know, to grocery stores, high quality grocery stores. You know, I pulled up, uh, and I'm almost sorry I did it. Mm -hmm. um, I pulled up a map of Tom Thumbs in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing with Kroger. 
And what I found was that there are about 15 Tom Thumbs mm -hmm. in Dallas, and only one is south of Interstate 30, which is the demarcation line for Oak Cliff and South Dallas. Mm -hmm. One. 13 or 14 north of right. Interstate 30. Same mm -hmm. thing with Kroger. Mm -hmm. I can name for you Tom Thumbs. I went to school at SMU. So I can name three Tom Thumbs probably within two miles of it. In fact, there is the Central Market, where I sometimes shop, is literally catacorned across the street from a huge Tom Thumb just right across the street, mm -hmm. nine-tenths of a mile down one of those streets is another Tom Thumb, and a mile in another direction is another huge Tom Thumb. Mm -hmm. So, plus there's a Whole Foods um, in that area. So within a mile, you've got a big Tom Thumb, near Central Market, you've got two other huge Tom Thumbs and a Whole Foods right there mm -hmm. within a one-mile radius. All of that in one particular part of town, and yet one Tom Thumb, one Kroger in Oak Cliff, none in South Dallas at all. Mm -hmm. No Trader Joe's, no Whole Foods, no Central Market, no HEB. Interesting. Food apartheid. Mm -hmm. In my terminology. Mm -hmm. So this is why I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. So what I, I know you've looked at a couple different options uh, as far as grocery stores go. I think, did you say that you're working now on a particular store that's maybe more kind of uh, some maybe community manned or something like that. I can't quite remember. Well, what I said is we have pretty much given up on the corporate stores and we're looking toward building our own. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. In fact, um, last year, last summer, the city of Dallas issued a food equity innovation challenge. Mm -hmm. They kind of woke up one day and looked around and said, oh my God, there are food deserts. What are we going to do? And so they joined with um, the Carruth Foundation and they issued a challenge. They sought ideas for addressing food inequity in this mm -hmm. area. And they, they received dozens and dozens of ideas. And at the last minute, I decided I'd submit one. Um, lo and behold, it was chosen as uh, one of the seven finalists. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, it was a three-part plan. One is a community-based grocery store as an anchor, as a destination, um, but that um, the, the, the development would also include a small restaurant and a commercial kitchen that could be rented out to cottage-based cooks in the area. Okay. There are a lot of good cooks over here. I happen to not be one of them, yeah. um, but there are people who can cook and there are caterers. And so we wanted to create entrepreneurship. You know, the, if you're a cottage-based cook in Texas, you're very limited on 
where you can sell your goods. You know, mm -hmm. you can do it at festivals, you can do it at farmers markets, but you can't put it in a retail establishment. Um, and cooking out of your home also has its own limitations. You can bake maybe four pies in your oven, right. whereas you could bake 20 in a commercial oven. So um, the, the reason for the commercial kitchen being available to community cooks is to build their income, build their entrepreneurship, give them um, an opportunity to, to step up in life, if you would. And we've been looking at um, a low-income area. Mm -hmm. So when the idea was chosen as one of the seven finalists, we decided to split it into two parts, and the grocery store will be phase two. But right now, we are going through the process. We are now down to one of the top three finalists. Oh, wow. um, and we're yeah, we're kind of excited about that. Um, we are seeking grant funding, which will be a lot of money, um, to build this small deli with healthy takeout food, mm -hmm. grab-and-go meals, and also, and those meals will be prepared in the commercial kitchen, but also in the commercial kitchen would be the availability for uh, the cottage-based cooks to okay. produce their wares. Okay. So, and so fingers crossed for us. Yeah. So, so you're in the top three finalists. Is, is, is this, was this a contest for like Dallas or like a national contest? It was, no, it was, it was for Dallas. It for Dallas. was a joint venture of the city of Dallas okay. and the foundation. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, well, that's, that's exciting. Definitely let us know if there's anything uh, we can do to help with that process. Well, thank you. You've already helped with that process because when I was looking for spaces uh, where we could do this development, right. I, I tapped into uh, your maps and okay. the income levels and the traffic counts and all of that. So all it's right. already been very helpful. Awesome. And that went a long way saying, you know, this is the low income community. This is a community that has significant health problems, higher incidence of obesity, diabetes, um, hypertension, and cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your map could give us a lot of demographic information that the foundation looked at in saying, this will be a good project for this community. So yeah. thank you. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. That's great. That's great. Um, how have things been in your neighborhood with, with COVID and, and everything that has been going on the last couple of months? This is a serious situation and it just, COVID has, has, has exacerbated the problems that already existed mm -hmm. in a food desert. Because if you remember initially, um, there was a toilet paper shortage. Right. Right. Yeah. And so if you are in a food desert and there's not a store near you where you can go easily and quickly to retrieve your supplies, your necessities. Right. Then you are endangering your health even more because if you don't have transportation, you're going to have to get on public transportation, a bus or a train and yeah. travel long distance um, just to get the things that you have to have. So mm -hmm. 
everything that was already in place in those communities has just been magnified tremendously by right. COVID. And yeah. so those are the communities where uh, the hospitalization, the infection rates and the death rates have skyrocketed, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what are, what are your next steps with this community grocery store that you talked about is, 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 do you have to get a certain place in this contest to get a grant or you, you said you're working on grants separately. Is that right? Well, the grant, um, you know, the contest was to, to win the grant funding. Okay. Okay. So, gotcha. um, now we are, since we're one of the last three in the running, we are, you know, we've submitted budgets and we're revising the budgets. We are okay. uh, revising the business plans. We're, we're delving down into the details now okay. of exactly what equipment is needed and who do we need to collaborate. Okay. So okay. It's going, cool. it's going forward. Do you mind if I go back to the previous point about COVID? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was a study done uh, a couple of years ago, and it showed that if you live in 75216 zip code, which is where we're planning to put our uh, commercial kitchen, restaurant, and grocery store. Right. If you go three miles from that and look at that other zip code, I don't remember which zip code it is now, but that the life expectancy in 75216 is 26 years lower hmm. than they are the, the other zip code that hmm. is not a food desert. 26 years. Wow. So living in a desert is literally life-threatening and life-ending. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I did not realize that. It is. It is. You know, 26 years in this case may be um, greater than average, but there are other um, articles and studies that show that there are years taken off your life when you live in a food desk. When, when you because it starts with prenatal care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Getting getting that and, and having a having getting healthy food early in your life um, has got to make a big difference. It does. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, it is. Uh, are there, is there interest? You mentioned kind of these entrepreneurs that would use the kitchen. Um, have, have you had some interest from folks that are, that are, that are interested in, in doing that? And would they be selling that food kind of locally? Would it be delivery or kind of, I wonder, I kind of wonder how that would work. Well, a couple of things. Um, we're hoping to partner with El Centro, which is one of the Dallas County Community Colleges. They have a culinary program, and okay. we are uh, working with <clears throat> that program because they train chefs. Mm -hmm. And they had been looking for an opportunity um, in, this, in this area anyway. Okay. Yeah. We didn't know that. That's just serendipity that we found that That's out great. because I approached them, and they were like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, we could do some chef training there. Um, Toyota Corporation is working on a program, and I have to check back with them. They've been working on a program where they wanted to distribute free prepared meals 
within that zip code. And uh -huh. they have uh, asked us if we would be able to prepare those meals. Toyota would pay for them. It would be free to the residents. Right. Um, they would approach us and say, this is what we need. Here's the amount of money. Um, can we pick up the meals in a week? So there's that. Um, as far as food entrepreneurs, yes, there is some interest there. We will, of course, have to market it heavily. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to market it heavily, but there are um, people who look for opportunities, and we think it's in a great location. It's two blocks from the VA hospital. Okay. Um, and you know, it's an area that has basically very little in the way of healthy options. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's fried chicken, there's barbecue. Um, but if you wanted to get, say, a little bento box with, you know, some sliced chicken and a little hummus and some non bread or a piece of fruit in there, right. there's nothing like that. Yeah. So okay. We have a list of we have a list of of. Um, potential food entrepreneurs that would be um, interested in working in the commercial kitchen. Yeah. There, a, um, a friend of mine um, actually has a business that she started a couple of years ago here in Columbia where she comes out with a menu on Sunday and you can pick like a couple meals out of there. I think is it, I guess it's like Monday through Thursday and, and she'll deliver the meals, you know, to your house. Um, and she also okay. makes like casseroles, you know, hot and frozen and that kind of stuff. And, um, my mom doesn't get around very well. And so we signed her up basically just to have food delivered, you know, one meal, you know, every, every weeknight. And, um, I mean, it's made a huge difference, you know, like she, her energy was low and she, she never wanted to do stuff. And now that she's got like, like good, good food coming, it's like, it's like, she's a different person. I mean, you know, so it's made, it's just, it's made having access to food like that is just is a huge difference it really is you it know? really is and you know we understand that there will be an educational component because if you have let's say snap benefits food stamps right if you are a second or third generation of a family that has grown up on food stamps unfortunately the bad food is cheaper um right. and so oftentimes parents will have to rely on those foods that are not so healthy, but that will go a long way. Yeah. The volume is bigger um, to feed their children. So we also plan to have an educational component with periodic nutrition classes and health classes. Okay. So, you know, we're looking at a, at a, at a comprehensive development here. Yeah. We okay. Just, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, what is, what else can we do to kind of help you with all this? Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> any of your resources or um, recommendations of people or uh, organizations to contact would be helpful. I will send you, if you'd like, I'll send you a link to the, um, the article about how the 26th years off life yeah uh, that'd be, of your life that'd, yeah that'd be really um, interesting yeah i'll, I'll email um, that to you but you know just being available to us to tap into in case we need to continue to justify um 
why this development in this particular area. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. You know, we still need corporate grocery stores. So if you have any influence among those guys, okay. put in a word for it because there's a population over here that is literally hungry for that. Yeah. Yeah. That and there's unity. And there's, there's money here. Yeah, there's a really there's a really big gap, you know, on the map there. Um, I mean, you, you can definitely see there's a large underserved area. Um, are are you seeing other organizations? I mean, are other what you're working on with this community grocery store and this community kitchen? Have you seen other people doing that, like uh, in other places around the country? <clears throat> around the country, yes. Um, there is, I had resisted the idea of trying to build a grocery store for years because what do I know about building a grocery store? Nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I was invited to join a think tank in 2017. And as we were working through the issue of food insecurity, I call it food apartheid. Mm -hmm. It's my terminology. Um, I was introduced to a grocery store in Waco, Texas, which is 90 miles south of Dallas. It's called Jubilee Market. It is a nonprofit owned grocery store in a very low income community. And it's been so transformative for that community. Um, it was an abandoned Safeway building and the nearest grocery store was HEB three miles away. Mm -hmm. um, they were able through a series of blessings and strokes of good luck and goodwill to secure funding and build a small community grocery store at 6,500 square feet. Okay. Um, but it has everything in it. It doesn't have a deli and a florist or a pharmacy, but it has a little pharmaceutical section where you can buy aspirin and band-aids. But it has produce, it has frozen goods, and everything else that uh, paper products that a grocery store would have. Right. Literally right next to that, walk out one door and into the next door is a huge aquaponics greenhouse mm -hmm. that was built uh, by volunteer labor. Uh, primarily the Baylor University football team put up this aquaponics greenhouse that grows some of the most amazing produce I've ever seen in my life huh. that feeds into that grocery store. It, it is sold around the city, but right. also it feeds into a restaurant that they opened across the street. Now, across the street used to be three bars and a porno theater. Right, yeah. Now it's a, a diner, which has mm -hmm. become the number one dining spot in Mexico. It's a fair trade market. And the porno theater is now a children's theater. Oh, wow. So something as simple as this, well, it's not really simple, but on the face of it, it looks simple. Something as simple as building a grocery store uh, in a community can really be transformative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very interesting. Um, it is. So when's, when's your next, when do you find out about kind of the next steps in this, in this contest, you know, that, that you're, that you're, that you've been working on? Yeah. That you've well, we have conference calls, um, probably our next conference call with the, with the, um, the grant funding organization will be 
July, I believe, um, a lot of their funding and attention is now concentrated on COVID. But I think, you know, September, October, we might um, find out whether we're going forward or not. So we, at this point, I'm, I'm trying to put together a lot of information to support our proposal. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, but I think their next funding window starts in September. Okay. What, um, it, it'd be interesting to expand a little bit more on that, you know, how you were talking about how grocery stores really um, can transform the community. Have you, have you seen that happen? in other places uh, besides Waco? Well, I've, I've visited Waco, so I've seen that one for myself. Um, okay. I do believe that there are other places around the country. Um, some of them, there was the president or former president of Trader Joe's, I think, put a market, I believe in the Boston area. Okay. Um, there was a development I think it's called the Grocery Clearance Center, mm -hmm. which is not a traditional type grocery store, um, opened by a young African-American woman in the Los Angeles Compton area. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that there are a lot of these. I think there's maybe a lot of interest, but there are so many moving pieces to putting this thing together mm -hmm. that it's very challenging. It is very labor intensive and it's not quick. You know, my biggest surprise after founding Fido Cliff was finding out that it's not quick. In my naivete, I thought, well, all I have to do is contact the grocery corporations and tell them, look, there's a whole audience of, of people over here, hundreds of thousands of people over here that want a grocery store. And they would go, oh my God, let us build a grocery store. And you know, six months later, they would break ground and, and here we go. Well, right. no, <laughs> that's not yeah. the way that worked. And so um, you have to be willing to stick with it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, that makes sense. Have Have you? Um. I think I think when we connected a while back, you sent me a picture of some some Boy Scouts that were helping out, like at one of your events. Are they? Do they still help out at at, at different things, kind of in the community? Oh, sure. The Dallas Veg Fest. That's our festival. Uh, we have a ton of volunteers. We have um, ROTC from local high school. Okay. We have um, people from colleges. We have the Boy Scouts. We have just community members who are interested. Yes. Okay. It's, it's good. That's great. Good. That's great. And when is that event? You may have said this earlier, but when is, is, is that, has that been postponed this year or is it coming up later this year? Or? Well, we had it scheduled for September 27th, okay. and it's done in a park, Keast Park. Um, we, we have nutrition classes, um, cooking demonstrations, fitness classes, kids' activities, and all of that. And it's primarily in a recreation center, although there are some outside um, activities, too. Um, unfortunately, COVID has put a damper on all of that in the right. city of Dallas basically cleared the calendar for all of the recreation centers. So what we're doing now is trying to figure out how we can do this thing virtually because we, we refuse to just let it drop. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's too important. And there are people who come from all over the state. There are people who come from other parts of the country to it. Um, our little event that just started, you know, uh, with say 300 people. Now we've got 2000. So, oh, wow. That's um, awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, Angela, it's been great having you, um, on the podcast today and, um, certainly wish you, um, lots of luck in, in getting your grocery store. I know it's something you've been working on for a, a very long time. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's clear, you know, how much grocery stores can impact, um, neighborhoods and trade areas. And, um, you know, it's just, we've really enjoyed, you know, working with you on this the last couple of years and, um, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, if there's something, uh, we can do to help. Is there, uh, what, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to, to reach out to you directly? They can send me an email to, I've got a couple. They can send it to Feed Oak Cliff, that's F-E-E-D-O-A-K-C-L-I-F-F at gmail.com. Or if they would prefer to send it to my um, personal, that's Anja, A-N-G-A, dot sanders s-a-n-d-e-r-s at yahoo.com okay great and we'll also they have... can connect. there's there's also a feed oak cliff uh, page on facebook and they can they can connect to that too okay okay great that sounds good we'll, we'll also have that information um in the show notes so um thanks again great. thanks again for joining us today and uh look forward to staying in touch thank you for the invitation i enjoyed it be well great you too Thank you again for listening to today's podcast. To email us your thoughts on today's conversation or suggestions for future podcasts, email us at pgrinfo at plantgrocery.com.